Hello, and welcome to your Pointers for Parents podcast, where we support parents with anxiety as it relates to teens transitioning out of the home after high school, uh, whether they're heading off to the college campus or the military base, or it could simply be residential interdependence. Listen, you all already know me. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Lloyd, and joining us today is a professional who has a passion for envisioning what the lives of our teens could be after they have graduated out of high school. Her name is Dorothy Darapellian, and let me begin to tell you just a little bit about her. She has a private practice in mental health counseling in Meredith, New Hampshire, where I have, she has been doing, uh, practicing for nine, since 1986 and specializes in play therapy. In addition to that, she's a certified advanced trainer for the nurtured heart approach and she holds trainings for that as well. Uh, she's also an instructor at Granite State College in their child welfare education program. And also she's a graduate from, yay, UT, the University of Texas at Austin, <laughs> and a postgraduate of the University of New Hampshire. Super duper exciting. Of course, because I'm here in Houston, Texas, and so that's super exciting. Uh, I, she's also a creator and author of Core Attachment Therapy. And I'm looking forward to learning and hearing all about that because that is a process to help secure the attachment bond between adopted children and their new parents. In addition, uh, she's a therapist, an instructor, an author, and she's also an international speaker on the subject of developmental trauma. Uh, attachment development, uh, core attachment therapy, and the nurtured heart approach. Uh, she's we recently been awarded with the 2023 Nationwide Registries Women of Distinction Honors Edition. Uh, in, in her free time, let's just learn what she likes to do a little bit in her free time. In her free time, she enjoys outdoor activities. Uh, and what's most important is that she's a proud adoptive mother of now a wonderful 33-year-old woman who she adopted when she was six years old from Russia. I'm so excited. And that background and what she's done in the past, she has like been instrumental in a number of places. I'm super excited, yes, to introduce you all to Dorothy. Dorothy, how are you doing this morning? I'm just blown away by the introduction and the, the passion you put into that introduction. So thank you so very much for um, honoring me to be a part of your program for helping parents. We have the toughest job. Mm-hmm. We have the fewest amount of training for it. Ah, I so believe that. And I receive what you just mentioned because uh, you, you, we all are servant should be serving somewhere and for us to be serving in this space it is such an important piece of work so thank you so much for sharing that and also thank you so much for being here so listen you know typically our listeners like to know just a little bit about the person prior to of course us jumping into the questions in reference to their profession and so tell me this you know is there a morning beverage that you enjoy or is there a profound book that you have read and remember. Interesting that you put those two together because my morning beverage, as most Americans, is coffee. I so look forward to that first morning cup of coffee. And it's during that 
first cup of coffee that I sit and read because I am so busy that I need some time that's quiet and and that's that morning cup of coffee because I like to kind of ease into the day instead of jumping into the day. So the book, I just finished a fabulous, fabulous book um, called The Dove Keepers by Alice Hoffman. But that's not the most memorable book because I just finished it. (laughs) So I hope I can remember that. Excuse me. But um, in retrospect, the book that I keep going back to when people ask you, what's your favorite book? It's not the recent ones because another recent favorite book is A Gentleman from Moscow. That story is is fabulous. But again, that's that's recent history. But going back, thinking about the question, I have to say it's the power of one. Mm. And that was written by Bruce Connolly. And it takes place in apartheid South Africa. And it's about this. It starts and the main character is a boy who has all these adversities, the underdog. He is the underdog in the story. And, you know, we have the protagonist and we have the adults who come into his life and mentor him throughout his lifespan. And that I think the reason why that resonated with me is I've always been part of the underdog class. I've always been their champion. And so to hear this story, it, it is phenomenal. So I would suggest anybody to pick it up and read it. It's a fabulous, fabulous story. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yes, I jotted that down myself so I can pick it up. And that I'm sure that'll be a good read for me uh, as time progresses. And so thank you so much for sharing that. And this, it is interesting that I put both of those together, both the <laughs> beverage and the book. Oh, that's so funny. So That might be a good memoir, beverage and the book. <laughs> I'm thinking so. I'm going to give thought to that. I'm going to give thought to that for sure. (laughs) You know, Dorothy, I want to jump into that core attachment therapy and what that is, how that works, and just how that has helped you with your clients. Okay. As you know, as you said in the introduction, I created that process called core attachment therapy. And it, it, it really did start with I, when I started my mental health practice. I was working with a lot of children who were in the foster care system and being adopted and to help them transition from their, their wounds to be able to fully attach to their new parent has always been a struggle. So looking back, that was in the eighties and early nineties. So looking back in the literature, what can I do to help? I was feeling there was a big gap in the process for these children and their families. And it was through really understanding where the child is developmentally and emotionally. We're looking at a deep, deep psychic wound to be abandoned by their birth parents, whether it be through drugs, alcohol, neglect, um, death of the parent, whatever brought the child out of the original parent bond. So, you know, there was processes, but to me, it seemed like we were just circling the wagon around the problem instead of really get diving deep into the problem, which is why I came up with the, the name core attachment, because we have to dive deep into the heart where that wound is. So, cause that wound is very deep and it's very, very protected. It's like, there's a, like Fort Knox around the heart because the child does not want to experience that pain of that psychic wound ever again. So that's why as adoptive parents, we get close, but we don't get in. So I was trying to figure out a way to get in because that's where the transformation is going to happen. To establish trust, which is what attachment is, you have to be vulnerable. 
But for children to be vulnerable like they had been, it's too painful. So they don't be, they won't be vulnerable ever again. So looking at just attachment in and of itself, it's a developmental sequence. So I thought, well, wait a minute. <laughs> the work that we have to do needs to be done developmentally to, to orchestrate the new parent and child through the very first stages of attachment development. Because that's what, that was what's missing in the work is getting the child to that vulnerable infant place in their heart. So that's why I came up with this incremental developmental steps from birth to, to four years old, because that's how, that's the course of attachment development. Now, now we know that attachment really doesn't begin in the womb, but there really is no way to replicate that <laughs> on the outside here. Absolutely. So that's why, unless my brain says, ooh, let's just, this is how we can do it, I'm going to just leave that alone for right now. But mm -hmm. it is core attachment therapy walks the process of attachment development with the new parent and child from start to finish, so to speak. So that is powerful because even listeners who have gone through this adopting process, it's interesting to, you know, to even sense that even though you're raising this child who has been adopted, then there's this, there's almost like this disconnect unless you're able to get in that continues to remain there. As you were talking, I was thinking about just a parent, you know, say for instance, they, there has not been necessarily any adoption that has taken place, but this teen transitioning out of the home and this parent then needing to be slightly less connected with this child teen, but then gravitating even more towards the future of what this teen is getting ready to be. And if we're honest with ourselves, a number of us, if not all of us, have come from some type of background where there's even been trauma for us. And so I like when you say that this therapy, this core attachment therapy helps a person, you know, not only begin by digging deep into the heart, but also being able to start there and then become even more connected to that team from where they are to where they could be and that relationship becoming more and more solidified. I love that. Glad you're doing as you were talking. It made me think of just our own human development when we get mm -hmm. to the age of 18 and 19. It mm -hmm. is about individuating and leaving and exploring the world on our own. And, you know, we joke that 18-year-olds <laughs> can be pretty pukey at home <laughs> because they're getting ready to leave. Mm -hmm. Leaving is hard. Mm -hmm. So they feel they have to leave on bad terms. Mm -hmm. Instead of just saying, okay, you're deserving empty nest parents. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to embrace everything you taught me through the, my first 18 years and I'm going to seize the world. But oftentimes that just natural transition is not easy because there's a lot of angst there. Can I make it in the world? Where is my place in the world? So they have to create such a chaos, so to speak, um, that by that time parents are saying, good, <laughs> go, 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 go. But again, that still was not the way to leave. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then I remember when my daughter went off to college and I dropped her off and leaving, I just had my first panic attack ever is because I was thinking, oh my gosh, I haven't taught her enough. But I regrouped, I reset, as we say in Nurtured Heart, took a deep breath 
and said, I taught her enough. She's smart. She's brilliant. She's intuitive. She, if she doesn't have it, she has the resources to find the answer. So that panic attack lasted, I have to say, only about 30 seconds because I breathed in. I gave her a lot. I couldn't mm-hmm. give her all because nobody mm-hmm. can give anybody all. Mm-hmm. So I had to then trust that she had enough to pave her way into the world. Absolutely. And she also knew that you were only a phone call or a text message away. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So tell me this, what is the nurtured heart approach and how has that approach supported those who have sought your help? Dorothy? Yes. The nurtured heart approach was developed in the mid nineties by Howard Glasser. It was initially developed um, because he himself, a person who has ADD and he had ADD all his life. So he was one of those intense and challenging children. So when he became a psychologist, he said, you know what? Everything we know to help these kids makes it worse. And he's absolutely right because I was using the same strategies with my clients and they're not getting better with those strategies. It just made it worse. So fortunately, he had the insight to say, wait a minute. I know what fuels these kids because I'm I'm that kid. So he developed a process that challenges the child to use their intensity in proactive, pro-social ways. But that's based on how we react as parents and educators, how we react to their intensity. So the nurtured heart approach teaches us to not what we call show up when things are going wrong, but we show up emotionally when things are going right. So children get a sense that, okay, I get a lot of juice, so to speak, when I'm making these great choices in my life and I'm getting honored for making those great choices. But when I'm testing the limits, you know, I don't get a lot of feedback or pushback or fuel. So I'm going to go back to where the energy is, which is where things are going right. And when you make that that switch about where your emotional energy goes, it's transformative because it's crystal clear. What gets us as parents is you do the right choices. It's not about ignoring. We're not talking about ignoring because we know that makes things worse. It's about when we jump in and show up with our emotional energy. Mm. And if we think about that, like, you know, we're like kids in adult bodies. And how would we like that positive energy Mm -hmm. and that positive Mm -hmm. emotion to show up most? And that's when we've done something positive. And so it does, you know, whether we even, you know, whether it's like fully, we fully think about it from a cognitive perspective, but it's just natural that we will continue doing. You're listening to Your Pointers for Parents podcast, where we support parents with anxiety as it relates to teens transitioning out of the home after high school. To get additional tips tossed and or gems dropped, subscribe to our weekly emails by clicking on the link below. Now back to Your Pointers for Parents podcast. What brings the most positivity? What brings the most, the the best emotions from other people? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And I'm sure that's been successful. How I use use the Nurture Heart approach in my practice is when I get the referral and I I get the child or teen in, Mm -hmm. I attack them, so to speak, at why they're there. For Mm -hmm. example, I had a client who um, didn't cooperate, never cooperated anywhere. Well, 
That's kind of hard to believe. (laughs) (laughs) So what I did the moment I met him in the waiting room, I talked about how he he cooperated with everything. He didn't come to my office. He didn't knock on the door. He was quietly waiting. He was such a great cooperator with the rules. And he looked at me like, don't you know I don't cooperate? So what Nurture Heart does, it gives them real-time evidence with more words when things are going right. Because as you know, our brains are primed to describe what's wrong. Mm -hmm. So to describe what's right is the learning curve in Nurtured Heart. But who wants to hear in detail what you just did wrong? That's enough. I know. I broke a rule. Enough. I made a mistake. Let's leave it alone. But we never give the details of what went right. And that's transformative. I can give you another example. I had a this team, but it was um, a five-year-old who kept running out of his classroom. Mm. So um, I had the parent and child come in, and I asked the mom, what are you proud of of your daughter this week? As soon as I said the word proud, the daughter just started beeping, and she had a little sweet little grin, and she's dancing a little bit, waiting for here. What did I do that made my mommy proud of me? So then I turned to the mom, and I'm waiting for the answer. There was no energy coming from this mom. Stone-faced, glare, glare, I looked out the window. We were waiting very patiently for an answer. So I'm looking at the girl, and she's looking at me. We're looking at mom, and it was a very awkward minute. Mm. And then she finally said these five words. She put her dishes away. Very monotone, very soft. So to demonstrate the power of describing what's right, I sat up in my chair and I said, she did. And the mom said, yeah. (laughs) Okay, I got to go a little deeper. So I said, okay, she put her dishes away. That meant she put her plate in the sink? Yes. Okay, great. Plate, plate. Okay, what about her fork? Did she put her fork in the sink? Oh, yes, she did. So as I'm listing off these things, the girl is getting real excited and the mom is starting to get a little energy because she's getting what this is. So I said, wait a minute. What about her napkin? Did she throw her napkin away or did she put her napkin in the sink? And the mom said, whoa, she put her, di- she put her napkin in the trash. I went, wow, what great discernment that was to put her napkin in the trash, not the sink. And I looked at the girl and I said, do you know what discernment means? And she said, no, but it sounds good. <laughs> So she got it, and the mother got it. It's the energy in which we recognize what's going right. So then I turned to the mom, and I said, okay, tell me what could be better. Before I finish the word better, this mother who sat very stone-faced sat up, and she was glaring, and spit was coming out of her mouth as she was describing this event that happened in a local library. And she gave me so much information Mm. as to what went wrong i was able to (laughs) write a map a timeline (laughs) all of this awful stuff with all this detail and emotion and then i could see the girl who was so excited because she had this discernment slowly her energy started Mm. coming down she started imploding Mm. and i kept saying okay mom i got it i got it the mother was so into the story of what Mm. went wrong that i couldn't interrupt it so finally the girl, she was at my kitchen set in my play therapy room, picked up some plastic dishes and just tossed them. Not at her mom, just tossed them. And the mother was startled. She said, see what I have to deal with? Mm. And I went, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. 
see what she has to deal with because she gets all this energy when things went wrong and she barely got anything when things went right. So for me, that capsulizes what nurtured heart approach is. We put way too much energy into our children when they make a mistake instead mm. of when they do something wrong. So when we do that, children feel more secure. Their anxiety goes down. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with uh, teens who have a phobia about going to school because they're going to throw up or whatever it is. So I attack them through the nurtured heart approach. What are their strengths? This strength tells me you can deal with this. Mm-hmm. And when they feel that they can deal with it, they move on and they feel proud and more secure. I so there you go. That. I love that. And so that is a practice that can help reduce, disrupt, uh, interrupt these feelings of anxiety. It's placing Absolutely. more of that positive energy forward and showing up there more as opposed to when things go wrong. I love that. Yes. I love that. Yes. And, and, because it puts energy in, I believe in you. Mm-hmm. When we feed their anxiety with our anxiety, we're telling them, I don't believe in you. You can't mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not the message we want to send to our teens who are going out in the world. We want Absolutely. them to know, we trust you. You got this. You got this because of your intelligence, you're um, wise, mm-hmm. you're resourceful, you're intuitive, whatever the child has that we know can help them overcome with anxiety Um, because anxiety is inherent they're going to be anxious Mm -hmm. but it's about how do you manage the anxiety with the strengths that you have absolutely a sure way to solidify that bond between parent and teen especially now that they're experiencing all of this newness in Mm -hmm. their new environment Mm-hmm. critically important. Thank you so very much. And also for that story too, Dorothy, that was phenomenal. Just so that we can picture and we can mm-hmm. see as you told that story. I love that story because it makes it crystal clear what Nurtured Heart is about. Absolutely. Where we put our emotional energy. I'm going to put my emotional energy in believing in you, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. in doubting you, knocking you down. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me this, any final words of wisdom you've just been dropping, just sprinkling (laughs) wisdom all throughout this call, but any final words that could help our parents who will see um, their teens leaving home? Some have seen them leave home uh, this past August. Some will see theirs leaving home this up next year, August 2024, if not sooner. Even some teens are leaving you know, maybe who play sports or want to just view the campus earlier or take summer school classes on the campus. Some leave really June, July. So it could be even sooner than next August. So any other words of wisdom, Dorothy? Yes. It's believing in yourself and your relationship with your child. When your child starts having those anxious moments, take your deep breath, take a deep grounding breath and hug your child and let your child know again that you believe in him or her and the reason why and just keep assuring from the points of strength and if you do it in real time and believable then they know that what you're saying is true speaking from your heart to your child's heart I even took notes myself like show up with those positive emotions more allow those responses from you to be real time so they they will know um, and be clear. They wouldn't have to remember back last mm-hmm. year or three years mm-hmm. ago. We no need for us to be historical, <laughs> but right <laughs> or hysterical, <laughs> but right here, right, 
<laughs> right here, right now, they'll know what you're referring to. Oh my goodness. And then also getting that book, The Power of One by Bruce Conley. That is fantastic. So, oh my goodness. So much learned during this session. Thank you so very much. I do have one more thing I want to throw out there is for all of you who've listened and who are curious about how the Nurtured Heart approach can help you. I do a six hour training. Ah. It's, it's going to start this 17th of November and I'm Mm -hmm. hoping to um, do it every other week. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you can't make it this September 17th, it's going to keep coming back and back and you can go to my website which is www.forattachmenttherapy.com and go to the services tab and it'll be at the bottom of the services tab that you can register if you're curious about it or Google Nurtured Heart Approach to get more information (laughs) and then register for the training. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Thank you so much for giving that information. I so appreciate that. And yes, uh, listeners, listen, I would go to that website and, and learn a little bit more about this because, I mean, it sounds phenomenal, as you all have heard today. So thank you so very much for joining us again. Uh, we may have to have you back at some point in time. Yes, in 2024, because this is such powerful information. I mean, we love our teens and we want to have that that bond to continue, whether they're in the house or outside of the house. So we so appreciate that. And for those of you who are listening, of course, you all can hear this time and time again. You know, we're on Instagram, Pointers for Parents podcast. Uh, if you have any questions or want us to talk about a topic uh, that you're curious about or have concerns about, just let us know there. And then also, as you know, we will be right back here uh, next week, same time, uh, same place. And we look forward to seeing you all here. Dorothy, thank you so much again. We appreciate you such valuable information and be safe and God bless. Thank you. You're welcome. Pointers for Parents Podcast.